Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I am the Darren W. Carter, and you have reached the unknowns. Black Pitmasters, where we highlight Black barbecue enthusiasts and pitmasters all over this great land. And today we have a very special guest. He is the curator of all things Black food and cultural advocate on Black Food Fridays on Instagram. He is a Beard Foundation finalist, actually. And he's also a independent writer for ESPN's Anscape. It is a new digital platform. Uh, and there's some uh, article he wrote that maybe even yours truly got a little bit of. So uh, let's go <laughs> to the discussion. And by the way, I missed you guys. I hope you miss us as well. So let's go into the discussion and see what he has to say. We're talking all things black food. We're talking infrastructure. We're talking a little bit of everything. So enjoy. Now, Mr. KJ, Black Food Fridays, thank you for accepting our invitation. Thank you for coming. (laughs) I I, I have to kind of put our news out there. Um, when when we got a chance to chat a little bit on uh, in our DMs when I asked him to come and everything, he was like, "Now nah, y'all know I'm not a pitmaster, right?" <laughs> I said, "Yes, yes." But one of the things that we are about here is history and history of food, and there is nobody in the world of barbecue, um, black, white, and another, but we focus on ours that ain't had had. Um, that don't cook no good soul food or had a part of it or been a part of it. And it's part of our history as well, which it's a little bit off the path, but it's the same river. So it's, it's, it's all right. So that's why I wanted to see if you would come on here. And I think I told you in the comments and I've talked to people about it here. Never would have, well, it would have took me longer probably, but never could have maybe heard about this if it wasn't for you um, following you on TikTok and seeing all the, you know, hearing everything that you've been talking about. I was like, really? 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 Then to get them a Google's and you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, wow. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, so it's like, there's so much to learn. Yeah, but man. Well, wait a minute now. Since know, we so shouting out Black-owned liquors, let me shout out the Black-owned liquor I'm drinking today is LS Cream Liqueur. Ah. It's a Haitian uh, recipe uh, updated from this young lady's grandmother. And now available uh-huh. in stores, man. So if you like cream liqueurs and you want to support a black person, right here. This this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. Because you have the pulse of what's you know, what's going on. Cause I know about them and let me pour while I'm here. I know about them, the Burrow Brothers, um another other whiskey brand I I think I know. But um other than that, I mean, I found out that there was a black bread company. I think I, did I, I don't know if I found out about you or not, but I found out about a black bread company, Three Brothers from yeah, Chicago. There is a black bread company, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's so much, and in this time of my life, and many other lives, and everything else, we we have at this point right now power, or vacuum, or maybe you know better times. That buying black is a good thing, mm-hmm. you know. It should have been that way all along in my, you know, little sphere of influence. But it's 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 trendy now. I hope that it's a trend that will last forever. Yeah. Um. So with channels like yours, and if you can, you know, let us know, you know, how that kind of started. But with channels like yours, we're able to 
um, outlet, social media outlet like yours, we're able to kind of know what's going on, mm -hmm. you know. So how did now? I heard you was always little birdie told me that you were kind of always been type of an activist, so-called community person, historian type of thing, gathering and so forth. That's true too. Yeah, I would I would say more of a community organizer than an activist. Um, although that mm -hmm. label has been applied to me. Um, I just uh, have always been in the business of convening people. Let me put it that way. So whether it be gotcha. about sneakers or politics or environmental, you know, policy or now black food, black people in food. Um, mm -hmm. It's just been a gift of mine. You know, I'm thankful for it to be able to bring people together. And um, I couldn't have expected Black Food Fridays to do what it's been doing in such a short period of time. But I think it just shows that, like you said earlier, this is the time, right? Like people are looking for this kind of information now. So platforms like us, like ours, need to exist. So when you get the, the Black Food Friday fact, that just came out of happenstance for you or just like, eh? Let me let me let me get some knowledge to him today and I call it. Man, I'm gonna tell you what happened. So I have a homegirl named Anella Malik. She has a blog or excuse me, a blog and she's on Instagram as Feed the Malik. Okay. And she told me that I needed to get on TikTok. And I didn't want to get on TikTok because I'm like, my nieces are on TikTok, right? Like in my mind, TikTok was just for dancing and jokes. Renegade, I'm yeah. funny, but I'm not like I'm not like comedian funny, right? Like I'm not stand-up joke funny or Maybe I am. I don't know. But what I will say is it was it didn't appeal to me. And so I tried Instagram. I tried TikTok for a little bit. And I was like, I'm about to quit. And she asked me to give it one more chance. And I did. <laughs> and so I said, well, since I'm going to be on here, I'm going to do what I want to do, which is I'm a nerd. I want to learn stuff. So maybe somebody wants to learn something for me. And the first mm -hmm. video I did, the Black Food Fact video that I did was about Black people's relationship with Hennessy. And that video took off. I mean, it it did. It went viral. I mean, it legit went viral. Like, um, and so you know, then Mike.com came, and you know, Good Morning America, and Today's Show, and all these different BET, all these different outlets started teaching people about my platform. Like, there's this black dude uh, who's teaching black food and black food history in 60 seconds, and um, yeah, it just kind of you know evolved from there. Wow. So outside of the other platforms, what's your what's your nine to five, man? What's what's the day to day thing for you? Or has this become the day to day thing for you? No, I mean not yet. We you know we're we're getting there, but not yet. Uh, my mm -hmm. nine to five is I'm a community organizer. Um there I you work go. for a non yeah. My work for a non profit organization that um it's called Charleston Promise Neighborhood. If anybody wants to donate to our nonprofit, feel free. And what I do, though, is I work with uh, neighborhood associations, particularly black neighborhood associations to kind of help them build capacity and, you know, leverage the power that our connected communities can have through something mm -hmm. called the Community Engagement Council. So we bring people together from neighborhood associations, people who just live in black neighborhoods, work in black neighborhoods, worship in black neighborhoods. We bring them together and try to create programming that benefits the community. Mm. So that's, you know, it's kind of, in short, you know, what I do on the day-to-day. -day. And Black Food Fridays is just like an online persona of what I do every day anyway. Okay. And there's somebody already in chat. They they remember that video, your Hennessy video. And mm. I don't, I think if you, I think if, if you, 
if you say a bad thing about community uh, Hennessy in our community, you'd probably be banished. It is, it is just, it is the dark of choice. You know, good, bad, rich or poor. It seems like it is the dark of choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hennessy's not that good. Not the beige level stuff. The beige level mm -hmm. Hennessy's not good to me. Um, but the video explains why black people have such an affinity, at least in my opinion, why black people have such an affinity for this particular brand of cognac. I mean, they've invested in black people way before it was cool to invest in black people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I get the loyalty there. Um, but the other Hennessy's are, are great. You know, everything higher than that beige label, well, everything higher than like Hennessy Black is great to me. So no complaints. <laughs> what have you found to be, okay, when you're doing all this and you find something out, what's, what's maybe the one thing? Because I remember, I mean, like the last thing when we talked about biscuits, I think that's the last video I saw from you just, you know, in glance and, and it wasn't necessarily a biscuit by the gentleman who made the biscuit cutter. Is that, is that mm -hmm. correct? Mm hmm Yeah. But out of the things you found, what was maybe the most like, oh, wow, I never would have guessed, you know, type of thing? Man, that's a good question. You know, I would say that the Black Princess in the Disney Princess umbrella, Princess Tiana, is actually patterned after a real Black woman. Um, I remember Leah Chase. Yeah, yeah, Leah Chase. Yeah. I was floored when I found that out. And apparently... This is, you know, this information is open to the public. It's not a secret. It just wasn't but very well advertised, you know? Yeah. Um, so Leah Chase being the inspiration for a real Disney princess, I would say mm -hmm. that by far would be, that would be the video that's like, even I was shocked to find that information out. To, to, to Disney's credit, per se, they do try to do a little bit of research on mm -hmm. now more so now than right. maybe I'm 52, maybe someone of my generation was growing up, you know, as they've been coming the last maybe 15 years or so are, are actually doing more research and getting more into the cultures of, you know, the people that they're portraying that aren't white. So right. I right. guess I'm to them. But yeah. I, I, I never, I never knew that. Um, which to a degree though, when I found it, when I listened to that and I showed that to my daughter, my daughter, I mean, she's a Disney child. She's 28 though. Um, and some friends of mine, they was like, now nah, I was mad that she was a frog the whole thing. <laughs> you know, now I'm finding out that she was really somebody's person. It right. Even worse that she was a frog the whole thing. But, right, right, right. But, but yeah, man, I, it, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And some of the things that you come up with, how do you come up with this stuff? I mean, is it okay? I'm going to search for a day. And just find some things, and then here I am. Because you know, when you make a TikTok, you can do like 50 in a day and then be done for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Like that. But absolutely. How does that so, project work for you? How my brain works is that I'm never not asking questions, first and foremost. Mm. So when I was a little kid, I was a little kid that when commercials were on, I was trying to read the fine print at the bottom of the commercial, right? Like, if it's a if it's a medicine commercial, I wanted to read mm -hmm. the side effects in the fine print. If it was a car commercial, I wanted to see who are they comparing, you know, best overall mm -hmm. towing capacity versus who, right? Like I was always the little kid just up on the TV trying to read the fine print. Um, when I was a kid, I'm 38 years old. So I don't know if your daughter's generation was still in this wave of like, but when I was a kid, when your uh, parents really wanted to show that they cared about you, they would buy you an encyclopedia set. And I had, had, well, 
we didn't have one. I mean, we didn't. Our our daughter didn't have one because at that point, internet was getting kind of up and up and going. Yeah, exactly. But I grew up with like two of them. You know, the Encyclopedia Britannica's. That's what nice I had. Big old sets. Yeah, <laughs> Took up two Yeah, two big yeah. shelves worth of whatever. I read through every single one. Every God. single issue I, I read through it, I bro. <laughs> I just, I couldn't help it. Like, I just want to know stuff, you know? And then, you know, as I've gotten older, I see the world through a different lens, especially as someone who's ran for public office, someone who has worked in politics, someone who's worked in education. You know, it opened my eyes that the things that are right in front of you are not always what's really there. And so when yeah. I hear something or I see something, yeah, my brain goes, oh, I wonder if a black person did that. Or I wonder if black people had anything to do with that, right? Like, so that's how my brain works. So, you know, we might have a conversation or we're having a conversation and something in this conversation might spark me to be like, oh, let me write that down. I'm going to Google that later on and see if a black person mm -hmm. did that or was involved in that. And a lot of times, especially in America, especially as it relates to food, you will see that black people had their hand in it somehow, you know, some kind of way. You ran for office. So what did you run? What did you do? Was it a, a locally, statewide? How, what was that? What did you do? In 2016, the same year that uh, Donald Trump ran for president, I ran for state house in South Carolina. Yeah. House District 15, uh, House of Representatives, um, which covered Goose Creek, North Charleston, and Hanahan uh, in South Carolina. And mm -hmm. I almost won. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not even going to sit here and lie to you. I had no clue what I was doing. And I, you know, I only lost by like 5%, you know, 5% to an incumbent. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, a, it was a great learning experience. Um, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. And more yeah. importantly, you learn a lot about other people when you run for public office. Because you realize that the things that may be important to you don't really matter to everyone else. Or language that you're using doesn't compute with other people. And I think that's helped me with Black Food Fridays because I'm able to, you know, take complex subjects or histories and, for lack of a better <laughs> term, dumb it down to a point where anyone can understand. Even, you know, I used to work at an elementary school before I did the non, you know, this uh, community engagement stuff. And mm -hmm. my students would watch my Black Food Fact videos and they would be, you know, fourth and fifth graders like, okay, I understand that. I get that, right? So sometimes people think that, you know, the, the, the goal of having a conversation is to look smart. And I really would challenge people and say the goal of a conversation is to be understood. And so... Yeah. You know what I mean? So what's the use of having all this knowledge and language and ideas and whatever, and you can't impress it upon anyone else? It's a waste. Of, it's a waste of time. So that's what I learned from running for office and working in public education. And I think that kind of plays a part into why Black Food Fridays has been able to spread so quickly. I don't I don't muddle up the message trying to show you how smart I am. I know I'm smart. Uh, what's more important is that do you understand this information? That's where the success comes for me. Yeah, if you can't understand you, then it don't matter how smart you are. Mm -hmm. If you can't communicate it. And I happened to 209, 
um, run for a local office in my then neighborhood. Um, some of the same facts that you mentioned about learning about people, talking to people, you know, what you believe and what you think, it's almost as no, well, we don't really care about that, but we want you to care about what we think. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, we, you know, councils in our city was about to try to do a charter instead of having an, like an, an active, active mayor. Um, we were going to have, I don't know what you call it, but anyway, somebody who really was going, the mayor was just going to be a front person and the, you know, the, the person. Oh, who, so you, you would have a, like a city manager. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people was against it. I was, I was for it per se, and I was one of 10 for three seats and I was new. So I got crushed. Mm-hmm. I mean, crushed. I got the average of people just walking up to the door. I could have just stayed outside that one day, probably got about the same votes, but absolutely, you know, it was a great, it was, it was a great experience. Again, that's why I thought it was imperative even to speak with you because just like you said, if you find something with food, if you go far enough, our hands were a part of it a lot and if not originated from it. Right. So right. Absolutely. I, I think it's pretty cool. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, when they ask for this type of, why is there Black Food Friday or why is there this or, you know, why why is there unknowns? I always think about that girl who did the renegade, renegade dance. Yeah. You know, so many people profited off of what she did mm-hmm. until Black TikTok, they just came and was like, uh-uh, no, we're not having it. You know, yeah. and they pushed her out. So this is something that I hope pushes people out that, Nobody but whoever is the the author of it can profit of it, Absolutely. Or, or at the very least, you know, get um, noted for it. You know what I'm saying? Get recognized for. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do this. I really got this from this person over here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I think that's not unrealistic. But you know, we can dream, I mean, right? I wouldn't say it's unrealistic. I would say. <sighs> It's a conversation I've been having in my DMs today, right? And, and with a couple of people. And and let me just say, these have been very respectful conversations that I've been having with people in my DMs. But like, I think sometimes black people don't understand our value. When I mean no. by value is like, you know, it's not that we think we deserve less. It's just that sometimes we're just so good at being creative and artistic and having flavor and sauce and swag or drip or whatever you call it, wherever you're from, we're just so naturally inclined to do that that sometimes we don't put a price on that, right? Like, we don't even think about, oh, I could make money for this or, you know, I could be compensated for this or at minimum, I should be leveraging this into something bigger, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, the conversation I've been having today with people have been around... This uh, Home Depot does this thing called Retool Your School every year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they split up. They they have a million-dollar pot, and they split it up, and they give it to different HBCUs. Well, I'm an HBCU graduate. I think it's the dumbest thing ever, right? Like, uh, this is a billion-dollar corporation that for a month gets free advertising from thousands, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Black people every year for a month for the chance that their school could be one of 30 schools to split a million dollars 
This is a billion dollar corporation, right? And we out here giving them free impressions for twenty to seventy-five thousand dollars. To me, that's not good time value money, right? Like that's not a good use of our time for that little bit of money. But I also understand that other people, you know, enjoy it for the camaraderie and all those things. And I think two things can agree at the same time. But the one thing I'm not willing to back down on is that if we valued ourselves and our institutions more, then I'm not saying don't re do retool your school, but we got to haul at Home Depot and be like, you got to up that million dollars, bro. Like a million dollars ain't enough, right? Like that's yeah. a, maybe one school should win a million. I would rather it one school win a million dollars, right? Then yeah. to split up a million dollars with 30 people like or 30 institutions. So that that doesn't that doesn't do anything. It don't do nothing. And you and you probably gonna spend that money at Home Depot anyway, right? So then you just giving them back the money. So they got you know what I mean? Like that's how my brain looks at it. Um mm -hmm. and I say all that to say that's why Black Food Friday is the unknown uh black pit masters and any other group that, that are highlighting black people in the food space, black food folks. Um I can go on and on. I don't want to leave anybody out. Sure. But that's why I, I got black. new black, uh, black people recipes. Did you get there? Spot, yeah. Follow them yet? Yeah. Black people uh, recipes. Yeah. 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 Girl. yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I'm trying to get them. To, I'm trying to get her to come on here as well. Yeah. 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 So. You should. I mean, yeah, try it, man. But I, I just feel like we are so valuable, but we're so good at just being cool that sometimes we don't think about monetizing that cool. And, yeah. you know, and that's what I, I appreciate about what you're trying to accomplish, what Dr. Howard is trying to accomplish, um, you know, and other black people in the barbecue space. You know, Adrian Miller just wrote, you know, Black Smoke and on and well, on and yeah. on. Right. Like all these people in the black barbecue space that are like enough of all this, bro. Like we started this gangster stuff. Right. We started this barbecue right. stuff. It's time for us to get our due. I respect that 100 percent. Right. That's why yeah. I wanted to do this with you. I appreciate that, man. And we got one of the things when during that um I got a chance to speak with um excuse me, Adrian Miller. And you know, Rodney Scott just got his book out, his 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 cookbook out. Yeah. Now um actually next two next couple of weeks, Matt Horn and Kevin Bledsoe, both of them are coming out. Their cookbooks are they were on pretty or they're gonna be delivered, you know, during the next couple of weeks. But what and all these people <clears throat> in the in the barbecue scene, we're talking black and white. It was thirty years from the last point where a barbecue book from a black person was somebody that was in that genre to uh Rodney Scott's book. Thirty years. And he was like, Yeah, some people had some barbecue recipes, like Al Roker book had a book or some other things, but somebody who was actually you know, a pit master per se, or in 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 the um, culture of barbecue, thirty years. Now, come on, I can name like four people off the top of my head who probably had six books each in that thirty year period yeah. on the other side of the coin. And why right. is that? You know what I mean? So, well, I mean, you know why? You don't don't wait, wait, don't I mean, do that. You know why? You know why? You know why? Let me sit. Let me take okay. a sip on that, brother. You know why? <laughs> <laughs> I look, I, Look, I'll sit with you on that one. Okay, I'm just, you know. Okay. I mean, and listen, but that goes back. Piggy's out, right? That goes back to what I was talking about when I ran for office, right? One of the things I learned is that 
infrastructure is so key, right? Infrastructure is key. When you own or have access to the systems that allow you to get a book published by Simon & Schuster, right? That will get you uh, your own uh, podcast on a, you know, on a, on, on iHeartRadio, right? Or get you a TV show on Netflix or, or, or whoever else, right? Having access or ownership of those infrastructures allow you to put your narrative on top. And that's why, like, I appreciate what Whetstone Magazine is doing, with Wild Entertaining is doing, with Di Diaspora, you know, with you, with me. Like, I'm, I'm so happy to see so many Black people just being like, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to tell our own stories, bro, because it's not, it's not happening fast enough. Um, and so, yeah, man, like, that's why it's not happening. It's not happening because we don't have relationships with the people who own the infrastructure or we haven't taken enough time to develop our own infrastructure. Last one, third point is it takes money to build infrastructure, right? <laughs> and where I live at in North Charleston, the average income for a black person, the average, that means there are people who are way below and way higher. The average income mm -hmm. is $30,000 in North Charleston, right? That's the average income for a black person. So it's going to take a whole lot of $30,000, you know, 30,000 a year people to have a singular focus and come together and put their pennies in and still try to live their life and raise their right. kids and put gas in their car and food on their table, right? It takes a lot of resources to do things at the level that some of our counterparts are doing. But, but you're seeing that a lot more now. You're seeing a lot of people pull up their resources or just be like, we're going to do what we can do with what we can do so that these stories can be told correctly. To that, to that point, I had this conversation with somebody today about what I do like to see. I, remember, I was talking to, um, I'm still, okay, 52. Back when I was in Cleveland State, a college boy, I was a rowdy, rowdy piper, you know, in, in, in the suit. I mean, rebel, public enemy was all I do was fight the power. That's all you heard in my dorm room. We had a 92-day protest, you know, because they fired our um, – we had a new position, President of Minority Affairs and Human Relations. Fired him after the first year. So we all, boom, we're going to get him back. Ray Wimbush, we sat in there for 92 days. He didn't come back. But, okay, wait a minute. Okay, you back now because you were spinning. Can you hear me? I Oh, I can hear you the whole time. Okay, cool. So, you know, but protesting, doing all this stuff, getting getting – I heard names that I never – thought was even available in the language of English, you know, people called us. You know, and, and the one thing that was funny, because you know, they, you know, they be, you know, try to spit on you, throw stuff on you, you know, go back to Africa, all that kind of stuff. And we college dudes. And they screaming at us, get a job. We college dudes, dude. That's what we go to college for. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. that's a side note. That's a side note. But we were fighting for inclusion. Okay. You know the 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 all auspices of you know not being judged by the you know being judged by the content of our character, not by the color of our skin type of thing. Always inclusion, inclusion, and and I was thinking, you know, one of the whole reasons I want to you know kind of get this going, moving. If ever there was another list, like I saw on that Fox list, even if it was Fox, they had to recognize and have people that needed to be there. It would be fair, I guess. Mm. And then Rashid just he was like, why? Why not just have your own list? And and I saw my 
our generational gap there. You see what I'm saying? I'm still, yeah, we need to do this, but I'm still inclusive. Whereas a lot of people now are like, no, we're just going to do this. Like you were saying, you know, look at Issa Rae. Look at uh, a lot of the millennials now at times they're doing, I got, I follow this guy, Black Tattoo or Tattoo Black, a million dollar plus business doing vape with no nicotine, fruit Mm -hmm. nicotine. I don't like vape. I don't do that type of stuff. But just the point that this man from Instagram started the business on his own and making a million plus dollars off of it, got a warehouse full of it that he's shipping out. Mm-hmm. The generations underneath us or me, which would be yours and, and under, it's it's not about, I, I think the more is not about, okay, I don't want a table. Mm-hmm. Either I'm going to take your table or I'm going to make my table. Right. And I love it. Yeah. God, I love it. Yeah, you know, think- and it, it gets me out of somewhat of a mindset but you know, being in a mindset, you can. I'm I'm fighting against my own thing, so I, you know I I may can't get there with you, as they right. say. Right. Um. But I'm gonna help impress you as much as, you, as as you can. So I'm glad now that that type of mentality is there, and that we have the avenues that we necessarily don't need the huge infrastructures. If we're doing Oh my God! All you gotta do is just go down YouTube. So many well-made um, shorts and movies and TV, you know, and webisodes and that type of thing. Now to where the big companies are going, oh yeah, we like you. Come on, let's give you this, and they can do that on their own terms, mm-hmm. which which is wonderful. Which if is you, wonderful. I mean, I'm happy for that. Yeah, I think the internet has made the world smaller, and that's a good thing in some regards. Um, and as it relates to the inclusion conversation, I'll tell you. I'm not going to put her name out there because I don't have her permission to do so. But um, there's a woman in Charleston who uh, was at the forefront of civil rights in the city, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. we'll hang out, right? I love hanging out with my elders because um, they got all this you know, wealth of knowledge and information. And she said mm-hmm. something to me, bro, that blew my mind. Now, this is a woman who was like, Literally, her name is in history books down here. You know what I mean? And she told me that they, um, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't, you know, I don't want to curse on your on your show here. But she said that her generation, (laughs) well, her generation fucked up the civil rights movement. They asked for the wrong thing. That's what she said. We asked for the wrong thing, right? We kept asking white people to let us play with their basketball and swim in a pool, what we should have been doing is like, oh, you don't want us here? Pay us like you owe us. Pay us and we'll go, we'll go on we'll go on the other side of the track and we'll leave you alone. Pay us to be over there and you won't have to deal with us no more. It, uh, everything we do will be transactional then, right? And she was like, Yeah, because mm-hmm. every time, every time we try to get in on what they got, they just invent a new thing for us to not be a part of. Then we keep striving to get there. Then they invent a new thing. Then we keep striving to get there. And then by by the time you realize it, 30 years later, that's why all our neighborhoods are getting gentrified. We spent so much time chasing them to their neighborhoods that, again, value, right? We lost the value of what we had. And then them people go, oh, that's very close to downtown or it's in downtown. Right? Oh, I get this house for 30 cents on the dollar. Right? And in the same neighborhoods that we look at and say, oh, I'll never live there. Too much crime. Too much this. Too much that. They look at it and they say, oh, yeah, this is perfect. 
right? We can mold this into what we want. And I think yes. it will change, right? The value will change once somebody makes it cool. Once one of us make it cool to get a whole lot of money and then go back to one of these neighborhoods that we are so ready to get up out of and like mm -hmm. help build that neighborhood, bro. It'll be it'll be on. It'll be it'll be on. But you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm somebody, I don't I don't preach that because I ain't got my it. house in the hood yet. When I get my house in the hood, <laughs> I'm gonna be insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> this is not unrealistic. I just was in D.C. for a week, right? D.C. has a thriving Chinatown, right? L.A. has Koreatown. There are Koreatowns and Little Italy's and, 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 you know, all these cultural hubs, cities within cities, and nobody trips, right? Nobody has a problem with all the Koreans living together and selling to one another and buying mm -hmm. from one another and living with one another. But when we decide to do it, Right, like you oh. said, they didn't want to blow shit up, right? Yeah. Um, but fortunately for us, we're in a time where uh, we have a little bit more wherewithal, more social mobility, and the internet cameras. Right, like it's not as easy to just blow up a black neighborhood in 2022 the way you could no. do it in you know in, in 1922. Um, but but the damage psychologically psychologically has already been done. Been done. You know what I mean? So they scared us of each other, we're afraid of each other, we're distrusting of each other, and our ideal of what success is is not rooted in helping one another, it's rooted in getting in that neighborhood or in that school, right? Or you and 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 once once we as a collective decide that success resides within each other, we're gonna be unstoppable. I mean we're already dynamic with all the barriers put up against us and with us going in many different directions. If we mess around and have this singular focus, not a monolith, but a singular focus mm -hmm. that we are going to do for each other, the things that we need to do, it's going to be on and popping, bro. Easy. I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever see it, but it is, it is, it is what we strive for. I don't know if you're – are you a sci-fi geek by chance? I, I'm sorry? Are you a sci-fi geek by chance? I don't know. I wouldn't say myself – I'm not a geek, but I do I do dabble. You know, I'm more you of an Afrofuturist okay. than a sci-fi geek. Ah, okay. So <laughs> to, this, to this somewhat of a point, um, and, the, and the mindset, you, do you ever remember the show – well, it was a movie first and then it became a show, Stargate? Mm-hmm. And then Pemmy showed Stargate XG1. Yeah. And one of the characters, Tilk, he was, you know, one of Jaffa, and uh, he came out to be a traitor, joined our side to help, you know, battle uh, whatever they were called. Um, but in one episode, they were, had this game simulation. So, you know, they put on this little headset, and he was inside of this particular simulation, and the simulation, for whatever reason, went wacky, and they couldn't get him out, and he could, like, die because it was messing with his neurons and probably, like, mess his brain up or something. I can't remember the whole story. But one line that stuck out to me in that episode was he fought so long for freedom um, against his own, you know, to be free and not be slaves of, of you know, the rulers that still in his mindset, after all this is going on, 
he's not sure he could be free. So that mindset, which is dug right back in his head, was mm. stopping him from winning this game because he didn't think he could win it because he's fought mm. so long. Same thing here. You know, they have the added all the time. If you put a chain on the elephant as a baby, now I don't know if it's true, but we always heard it. You put a chain on the elephant as a baby, they're going to try, 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 and they're going to figure out it ain't going to work. So by the time that elephant is grown, you can put a, a piece of thread on there, and as long as they know it's something on their foot, they ain't moving. They, mm -hmm. they don't think they can get out. Yeah. Same here. Oppression, it's like a it's like a muscle of aperture. If you don't, even you work it, it's strong. Mm -hmm. But it still takes a long time for, if you stop working, it takes a long time for it to get back to the place where it started. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're not in change no more, you know, physically or whatever. But even after that freedom, we, of course, we went through the Reconstruction, of course, and we went through Jim Crow, and of course, we went through to 2016, you know, whatever you want to call it. But you know what I'm saying? We've still had those pushes against us to help solidify the thought process. Now, there's many people who have broken out of that, and I am grateful for that. Um in in these areas of food and tech, um, arts, we really get a chance to see it, and that's why I'm 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 thinking, you know, almost kind of thinking this as a second reconstruction to a degree, because of the liberties that we've been able to um, possess in some of the things that we're doing, meaning making our own tables or taking our seat at a particular table to make sure that we're heard in this instance or with this company, but you know. Being able to showcase what we need to showcase, showing that power, mm -hmm. even though it's unfortunately not in the masses, and then getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. And then getting paid for it and, and getting paid, you know, your worth. We still got a long way to go, though. Absolutely. But the more people will see stuff, um, you know, if anything that for me, if you want to be a purveyor of something, you say you love food. You know, yeah, go to a French culinary school. That's fine. But we in America, okay? Find out about American cuisine. Find out about American food. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm being, I'm, I'm being, you know, petty here. But you know what I'm saying? Um, if you really want to say you're a pit master, a barbecue enthusiast, or something like that, let's learn the whole history. You know, Meyer Mixon is not the godfather of barbecue. Mm -hmm. He's not. He's in our generation for that. So he, he can be. There's so many more people before him. Well, who was before him? Well, who was before him? Well, who mm -hmm. taught that person? Yeah. Let's go, you know, let's go to the beginning. And then if you do that and get educated, I'm oh wait, then we gotta go to CRT. Okay, let me shut up. That's a whole nother story. But if we get educated and you have that respect, then I don't have no problems. Because we both respect whatever that is, that history or truth, whether it is for us or against us, it's just the truth of what was. Mm -hmm. you know, to make it to what it is today. Um, again, that's why I love your type of platform because you're bringing to light what people didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what and I'm I saying? appreciate what, what you, man, for real. I do. I really appreciate the kind words. I'm trying every day. I'm an amateur historian, but I do love to read and research. And when I find cool stuff, I like to put it on, you know, put my people on. So I'm mm -hmm. glad that it's just been able to resonate with so many people. Um, you know, I will say, you know, one of the last things I like to say before we depart is that, you know, I'm human, right? And I want to make sure people understand that I'm human, which means that I'm mm -hmm. going to make mistakes. I've had, you know, I have made mistakes in terms of research, you know, thinking I have the right information and not having the right information. 
Um, but none of that has, you know, prohibited me from continuing to push because I know my friend Mamie Bush gave me this phrase, but I know what my true north is, right? I know where I'm trying to go. Um, my plans are not Instagram related, right? My plans are real world related. My plans, you know, I got a, like a, I got a 10 year plan for Black Food Fridays right now that I hope to stretch to a hundred years, you know, like, um, now you so, you know, I'm uh, just use me as an example that, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. You're the second person that said, um, that I've had on this platform and talking about a hundred year plan, which is for us in general, like really a hundred years. But if we're thinking about a legacy leaving to our family, if we're thinking about general, you know, generational wealth, Hundred years should be the minimum of a plan, and I'm I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because it brought it back to my attention, you know, and and you know so obviously I need to get busy and doing stuff because I don't have a hundred year plan, but it's just here again I'm loving the mindset um, of of those that, that are are in your age category or young, our generation under me. Um, you're seeing the picture that I wish we were taught four or five generations ago. Mm. Mm. Four or five generations ago. So I, I apologize, but when, but when you said that, it was like, you know, and no, it was only I mean, like that's cool. two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I want to give credit where credit is due. I got that from a Black-owned company called the Brooklyn Circus. Mm. Um, they're a clothing company in Brooklyn, and, you know, that's their motto, the 100-year plan. And before I ran for office, I thought the clothes were cool. I didn't really understood, you know, what, what that meant, a 100-year plan. But when you have a 100-year plan, what it says is that this is bigger than me, right? What it also says is that I, like Tupac said, I might not be the one, I'm paraphrasing, who leads the revolution, but I might spark the mind of the person who does lead the revolution. Okay. So... Right, when you set up a 100-year plan mindset, you're saying, I'm willing to do the work without getting the credit. Because when this thing pop off, I might have been dead for 50 years by the mm -hmm. time we get where we want to get. I'm okay with that, right? Like, I'm yeah. perfectly fine with that, right? I, I'm, I'm going to get my shine while I'm here. But also, I understand that if I lay a good foundation, that there are going to be people who come after me who are going to see my work and build upon my work, and then 100 years later, 50 years, 60 years later, 200 years later, I don't know, they're going to be the ones that's like, boom, we did it, right? That, right, that right, right. Our ancestor, KJ Curdy, <laughs> laid the foundation, right? Our ancestor, KJ, <laughs> laid the foundation, and now 127 years later, his vision is realized, are. right? Like, I'm perfectly fine with that, man. I'm perfectly fine. But I think a lot of times you don't hear black people saying that because, A, we don't have a lot of practice with long-term planning just as a culture. Mm -hmm. uh, let me rephrase that. Black people in America haven't had the privilege of having an extended period well, of time to plan for, you know, 50, 100 years. Um, mm -hmm. However, with that being said, there's no excuse for us today to not start the 100-year plan for, what you know, our family, for our businesses, for our nieces, nephews, whatever the case may be. So I'm just trying to keep myself, you know, when I get discouraged or frustrated or things aren't moving as fast as I want them to move, I realize like, hey bro, just for yourself, you have a 10 year plan. 
right? And if mm -hmm. you don't hit your 10-year plan, there's no way that 90 years after that 10 years, them people will be able to come behind you and make it happen. So, like, I got to stay the course. Yeah. <clears throat> Look, man, I I can't tell you. <clears throat> this like I, I started off by saying this was a good day. I was presently surprised that a Dr. Conyers was in my in my neighborhood, in my city today. I saw that. Yeah, and I, I got a chance, you know, one of my barbecue heroes, I got a chance to sit down and talk him, talk, took him to a local, local uh, barbecue joint and talk shop. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, fanboy here. And then I was like, dude, now I'm going to, you know, get a chance to talk with Black Food Fridays, who's like billion followers, you know, just doing some good things. And it's like learning so much from you as well. I was like, look, what more information can I do today? I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to pass out after we get off of this thing because it's been a lot. It's been a great day. Man. It's, 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 it's been a great day. And I really appreciate you. You know, when I reached out to you, you was like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, what I, I tell people all the time, <clears throat> I always appreciate anybody who comes into this platform because you don't have to. And especially... It ain't like I'm rolling in followers. It ain't like I'm, you know, all out there, good man in America or anything like that. Yeah. I'm just yeah. a little trying to do something to keep, you know, uh, trying to grow a community within our culture. And nobody has to say or agree to anything. So for you to do that is humbling for me because I, I, I appreciate it. Knowing that you are human, like you said, we, hey, we, we all are. We all make mistakes and do what we do. I think I remember seeing a video where you corrected yourself openly. Yeah, on, on something that you did. So yeah. you know, which gives me that respect because some people be like, "Oh, you know, that was fake news." No, I didn't do it wrong. You know, it's like just uh, I messed that know, up. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I learned that. If you don't know, we don't know. You know. Well, let me let me just say this for anybody who's watching. Let me tell people why I decided to take this interview on, um, and, and knowing that I have, I'm going to a concert after this, right? But I, but I was like, I got to still do this interview. Because one, I think sometimes people forget that there's another person at the end of the Instagram account. And the way you approached me was very like respectful. Like, I mean, there's no other way to put it. You were just very respectful. And sometimes people come to me expecting me to do something like I owe them something. And like, I don't owe you nothing, bro. Um, so that's number one. I, I appreciate you for coming respectfully. Number two, when I looked at your platform and I realized what you're trying to do, and who you're trying to elevate, we're, we're simpatico, bro. Like, we're trying to do the same thing. You're just specializing in barbecue. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, last but not least, man, when I was building Black Food Fridays, somebody who had way more followers than me at the time and was, was he verified yet? I think he might have been verified already. I think I might have had, like, 4,200 followers. And this dude, uh, Chef Jamoke Jackson, who was on Shark Tank, right? Like, this dude... I saw him on TV and all this other stuff. Well, the TV thing came after we became cordial. But he was already like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, there's no way this man going to say yeah. But yeah. I shot my <laughs> shot. And, and he was like, I like what you're trying to do, brother. Let's go. So, you know, the numbers don't bother me. You, you have 100 followers or 100,000 followers. If the work you're doing is, I think, if I believe your work is substantial, and you came at me, you know, man to man with respect, bro. Like, I can't, I'm going to turn that down, right? I had the time. I love what you got going on. Um, uh, Dr. Conyers thinks highly of you, and I think highly of him. So, you know, it's like, boom, like, let's let's do it.
I, I, I appreciate that, man. I think I, like my wife is telling I think I found my, if I, I think I found my river, you know, I've always, community has been a big part of my life and that's just is what it is. But when it comes to passion meets community, you know, doing this, trying to get my barbecue business up and everything, it's like this, I think I found my river. I do hope you enjoyed that discussion with KJ Kearney, Beard, uh, James Beard Foundation finalist, uh, the curator of Black Food Fridays on Instagram. I implore you to follow him and all the things that he's doing. He is just all around a good guy. Um, follow us too, if you don't. <clears throat> Click that subscription button here. Follow us on Instagram at the unknowns with the S black pit masters and just look us up, see what we're doing, see what we're about enjoying the community that we're doing. And you know, you're welcome to the cookout as well. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I am the Darren W. Carter and I will see you around the way. <laughs>